Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here, Golden Age of Cardboard Podcast, Bench Clear Media. So happy you've decided to listen, watch, or however you're consuming this content. Really appreciate it. Uh, got a really fun episode on tap for you guys today. It's funny, the the longer I do this, the the more connections I seem to make. It's I, I get people of all walks of life in this hobby, people that are just getting back into it and they discover the podcast and they shoot me a note on uh, Instagram, which is at baseball or just baseball collector. Mike is my Instagram. If you want to do that, that's great. People providing words of encouragement, always fantastic. And I, and I love getting them, love people reaching out and saying hi and saying thank you. And they're from all over the place. And it's so funny to hear all the stories. People love to tell me their stories and I love hearing them. So keep doing it. It's, but it's, there's common themes of either getting back into the hobby or I did it as a kid or I've been doing this forever and found your podcast and oh my gosh, it has completely changed my world. And what it's showing me so much is there's a lot of collectors out there that I think do it uh, in, in their own little, you know, vacuum they just they in their own little world where they collect and i and i think once you can discover other areas it's great and the my guest today is one of those guys that listened to the podcast found the podcast i'll let him tell you the story and he reached out and and we connected and and you know getting him to do youtube and starting to reach out and branch out and increase his uh presence in the hobby over the last little bit has been really cool to watch. And what I love about Dylan is his incredible enthusiasm for the hobby. It is so infectious. And when you have people like that around you uh, or that you can watch and, and see Dylan, and I've never met in person uh, because Dylan lives in Hawaii, which that's the whole, another whole thing. Who thought I'd ever, you know, be friends with a surfer from Hawaii. I'm a, you know, guy in Texas that has a lot of guns and a ranch and, and loves sports cards, but we both love sports cards. And there there's always that common thread. You can be completely different people in real, in the real world in life. And yet there's this common ground of dudes in tight pants on cardboard. I mean, it's just so great that you can connect with that and, and create a bond and create a friendship based on that, regardless of everything else. So, let me bring Dylan on and you guys are going to get to hear his enthusiasm and we're going to talk about just in general, just what's going on in the hobby, what we think. Dylan, welcome to the show, dude. Thank you, Mike. Man, that was like surreal for me. Watching you talk, like being backstage, like I didn't know any of this, how this all worked. Like this is, that was, that was really special for me. And to be on your show, you know, without like, rubbing your back for an hour this is just kind of like a full circle for me and just an exciting moment in my collecting life in my life in general i mean collecting collecting is our lives right it's not you know it fills a good portion of my life and it's something that brings me joy every single day and it has for 42 years of my life where i guess i started when i started when i was six years old so less than that but still a huge portion of my life and to be a part of this i'm really excited and thank you so much for having me on you are so, very welcome it's um, my pleasure honestly my pleasure uh, it's it's so fine I wasn't, 
I wasn't kidding around about your enthusiasm, man. I mean, I just, when you do videos and it, um, I'll let you plug your channel here in a little bit. Double D vintage baseball cards is the name of it, but you, we'll talk about that later as well. Dude, you have such great stuff. You're just so carefree about it. You're and your collection is amazing, by the way. It's absolutely amazing. So I, I love what you're doing. You've kind of shifted recently. Like you've, You've kind of, you've had this, I'd love you to tell how you collected before and then maybe tell the story of how that's changed and maybe why it's changed over the last little bit. Great idea. Um, well, yeah, I love baseball cards. I've loved baseball cards since I was six years old or maybe even before that. That's kind of my memory bank, how it works. Um Every time I see a baseball card my entire life, it just brings me this joy and this peace and this comfort. Like this, I, It's hard to describe, but everybody out there, which is so cool, and understands that feeling who's watching this because these are collectors who are watching this. And it's so great on your show because there's a lot of people who are maybe new to collecting, which is a whole other world that's just like exciting to experience. So with that question in mind, when I, I started collecting cards in 1986 and 87 and without running all the way through the thing, let's go straight to the graded stuff. So let's just put my time frame around 1998, 99. Cause I remember in high school, I think grading started, I graduated in 99. I think it started before that, but I think I was really introduced to it around 98 i literally i should look up the serial numbers because got three cards graded back in the day and i just saw these prices right uh of like oh my gosh a 10 is worth 10 grand like it was a Derek jeter I had an sp Derek jeter from a friend and like all these cards so my mind was like shifting on that like graded thing and for me graded cards was the great equalizer so as a kid growing up going to uh, card shows. I used to go to the, all the mall card shows and I would ha I have a local, I had local card shops. Of course, back then there are card shops everywhere. I had like four around me, but one called baseball cards plus, which I always went to. We rollerbladed to me and my buddies or ride out bikes, took a walk. We were young. Our parents used to let us do anything we wanted. So when graded cards came along, it was like, this was, this was when I really started going down the, the vintage era. Not that I didn't love vintage and have vintage cards before that, because that was the holy grail for me when I was a kid. But these guys were grumpy. Like I'd go to I'd go to I'd go to like baseball cards plus and they were nice. No one ever like pulled me aside and said, Well, I'd be staring at the vintage cards. And no one said like, hey, you know, you could you could buy these. Like this is where you should go and this is what you should look for. No one ever gave me that speech. I didn't even know that. I didn't know anything about that stuff. And then I would go to these card shows at the local mall, Huntington Beach Mall and the Westminster Mall. And no one, they're all like grunt, like not the poo-poo. They're like kind of grumpy old guys in the back. And no one talked to me. No one told me about that. So I just stare at them. And I was scared to buy anything because you, you know, obviously I didn't have very much money, right? What's five bucks going to get you? So I would be like the dollar bin guy and I have some cards back on my wall back here that I've had since I was a kid that were from dollar bins. So I started those, but they're, you know, they're, they look, you know, wrinkled in half and rounded corners. So once the graded card thing came along and once I was introduced to it, it opened everything to me because I didn't have to worry about fake cards. They didn't have to worry about anything. And my whole like, theory about buying graded cards was I want a card that looks like it just came out of a pack. And so me, I was like, you know, in I, I was 98, 99. I got, I was a guy in high school that knew he wasn't going to college. Okay. I didn't, I was terrible in school. I didn't know how to do tests. I couldn't memorize anything like that, but I knew baseball cards my whole life. I could memorize, I memorized the Beckett, these old yellow price guys I used to have, still have them in a box somewhere. I could tell you, I still could. I could tell you what every single card is worth. Like you show it to me. I mean, 
grades have changed that, but I could tell you what the card's worth raw. Pretty much any card under the sun from 51 until, you know, 1980 or 1987 at that time, 1988. Um, but when I first started buying graded cards, I was buying PSA 7s. They were $20, you know, like the standard thing. And I had a really good job back then because in high school, I had a full-time job cutting or making surfboards. For a living, I worked in a surfboard factory and I was taught the trade and I knew that's where I was going to go. And so after high school, I got this really good job and became a part of this company. And for 20 years, I was in there. But in the beginning, you know, I had money to spend. So I was buying tons of vintage graded cards and I would just be like PSA 7s, done. I didn't need a PSA 8. PSA 7s to me looked perfect. They look like I guess you'd call it gem mint 10 these days, but they look perfect. They look like they're out of a pack. You know, you get a pack. Sometimes they have Dean Corner. So I'm like, sevens are great. I didn't know, like no one ever told me like, you should get centered cards. You should get, you should look for aesthetically pleasing cards. You should look for good eye appeal cards. You should look for the clarity of the picture. So many things that I didn't know about until the last couple of years. And it's funny to say, because why should it matter, right? Like, I've been collecting the whole time. Why does it matter? Why all of a sudden did I shift gears? Well, so all those times I've been collecting these sevens, okay? And they're all around $20, $10, $50 on the big stuff. And I did buy some really high-end stuff, like expensive, iconic cards. But I sold most of those along the way. Um, fast forward to now and the great shift in my mentality, which the question you brought up. I have realized since being involved in the podcast that I listened to from you, thank you very much, Mike, and the, you know, where that took me, I started to look at my cards differently. And then I got my wife involved and, and she's an artist. So I started having her look at the cards on my walls and I had displays my whole life. I've had this display for about, five and a half years, but I had other displays my entire life. I had things in my closet and we had one in my, you know, I've been married for like, I'll probably get in trouble with probably like 11 years, something like that, uh, in our pantry because it was dark. So I had the, we had, I had a display of cards in my pantry. I have a picture of it. It's really awesome. All graded cards. So I started getting her involved recently. And since I got on here and Hey, what cards do you appreciate? She's an artist. And since YouTube has, has trained my eye to love the eye appeal. And, and now I'm realizing same thing goes full circle. This great like equalizer in graded cards, which I talked about. I can go back now and what I'm doing is I'm selling all those sevens that I purchased that were off-centered and just things that I don't like about them. Maybe they have a print streak in them. I mean, I was just buying sevens, like sight unseen, you know, bing, bing. It's called the pit and eBay. And I was selling cards like crazy. A whole nother story, but stick to this. I, I see cards differently because of what I've learned on podcasts and what I've learned on YouTube. And it's not... It's not like I changed my mind because everyone says you should change your mind and you should love centering. It's because I see the cards differently. And when I look on the wall, I want my cards to look a certain way. And there's a lot of guys that have influenced me. John from Wade Boggs fan, like he's really influenced me. The way he talks about cards, the way he, he shows them. Shane, my friend Shane, Shoebox Legends buying these low grade cards. So all what's come to my mind is sell these PSA sevens while they're hot, right? Every, these prices haven't really come down in this vintage world, like the sevens and the eights, they're still up there. And I'm like, dude, I can unload these. So I can unload a seven, say for, you know, a nice, you know, Roberto Clemente, like a six, let's say I have a bunch of sixes that are off centered, uh, 230 bucks. I can go out and then buy a four that looks better and spend 80 bucks. Or in this case, like I have a couple cards here, Eddie Matthews. So 
I'm spending the same, the whole goal is this, I'm spending the same money I did 20 years ago or 10 years ago and getting better cards that I appreciate more and I can look at my wall and just be really proud to have them. And, and, and it just, it's like, comes back. It's a great equalizer. Like anyone who thinks that you're priced out, you're not priced out. You just have to find another way to buy the cards that you love in the market that you're in. I think there's a niche of our hobby that is, how do I say this as nicely as I can? They're, they're kind of, they're grade slot snobs, right? I was. Um, and I don't mean that that you can't if you want sevens by sevens but i i think if you again that what i try to preach it here is the idea that buy a card you're gonna love buy a card that you like i actually don't mind off-center cards sometimes like off-center cards need homes too right as as our buddy yeah. lou rock would say nothing wrong with them what's that yeah nothing wrong with off-center cards so yeah, and, go ahead. and i have plenty of them in my collection uh i prefer centered cards right uh but I, I just try to me registration and colors matter more to use you know every person's going to have their kind of thing that is super important we're going to all rank the different things centering's certainly up there but it's not the most important thing to me uh, the satchel page i bought at the national is is way off center but they all are to some degree, none of them are perfectly centered on 49 Bowman, but uh, the registration and the colors were just gorgeous. And I'm like, and it was a three because of the centering. I'm like, I'll take that all day long. And so it's cool that you shifted not again, not because you were pressured, as you said, but you just had a different appreciation for it. And you're like, and it allowed you to stretch your hobby dollars even more. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what it all comes down to is hobby dollars, right? Because I'm not made of money. I cut, I literally mow lawns for a living. I mean, it's, I do more than that, but that, that's what I do. And, and I, I don't have all the money in the world. So I have to take what I have and turn it into what I want and what I appreciate. And, and I do think that look, if you have all the money in the world or you have plenty of money, of course, I'm going to buy PSA eights and nines. Like it's a no brainer. I mean, you could buy a nine pretty much sight unseen and you know the criteria in that. It's going to look probably better than all my fours. But I just, I, I, I know from myself, like some of these fours that I have, looks so much better than my sevens and i'm with you mike like it's not just about centering centering is just i'm not just buying any centered card i see it has to have all of the characteristics that i appreciate it's not just one there's so many characteristics that i want to hit but the point is that you can hit them with a budget friendly like instead of a blaster box you can buy a you know you can buy a you can buy this card right here this is this was 35 bucks like you can buy this really really amazing looking card instead of a blaster box like to me it's a no-brainer so yeah i'm having a lot of fun with it and it's changed the way i look at it and it's only because of you know the influence of other people but not them pressuring me just going in my own brain and my eyes and just realizing, dude, Dylan, this is the time. Like, this is time for you to change your collection. Yeah, and it, it's okay to be inspired by other people. You're not, you know, people mention influencers and all of that. I don't consider myself an influencer, although people tell me, hey, you've inspired me to do X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, great. Do you love it? Yes. Okay, great. I just pushed you over the edge. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's helping people find what they love, right? Not because yeah. I love it or you love it or anyone else loves it. And, but there is some common sense to this stuff. Right. And it's like, whoa, I can get a four, a nice looking four for a fraction of the cost of a seven. Will I be any happier with this? I, look, like you said, we'd all love sevens, eights, nines. In our collect Who wouldn't, right? If money was no object, that would be true. But, uh, 
we all do have budgets and we all do have to think about how to build a build our collection. And I say that a lot. You need to build your the best collection for you, Dylan. I need to build the best collection that I want. And uh, it just it takes a long time. You've been doing this a 35 plus years. I've been doing it 40 plus years. So, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Everybody's like, oh, I want everything now. Well, patience, young Padawan, patience, you know, is what I try to tell people. Um, but I, I love that you can tell that story in a way that I think some people can resonate with that, that can, you know, I kind of feel that way too, you know, and ho hopefully they'll be inspired by you hearing that, that deal. Let me add uh, to that. Can I add Yeah, to go that? ahead. Yeah, so, of course. You know, it's not just like, I, I talk about this on my show. It, it's not only that I think that these fours are buying are really good looking and I like them more than these seven off centers that I had or sixes off centered or anything. I genuinely believe I can stir some controversy here, which is fantastic. Like it's on my show, so I could roll the dice. Uh, I think there's a value in these fours that the future market hasn't chimed in on yet. I think the consumer is getting smarter. Us collectors are getting smarter. And the more people like me that come out of oblivion that have been collecting their whole lives in obscurity come into this world of YouTube, which is more common and go into the podcasting. I think that these fours are undervalued. I think that in the future, a good, not just fours, okay? It doesn't matter the grade, just eye appeal of the card is already, you can already see obviously the auctions in different prices, but I'm trying to plan for the future of my cards being the most value I have for my buck. So one day when I'm done collecting or when I say, okay, I'm old enough, I'm going to give these cards to my nieces and nephews, or I'm going to sell everything off, whatever it is, I want my cards to be worth more money in the future. And if I can spend less money now, and I think the market, I think us consumers are getting smarter, we'll find out that sevens aren't bet Like these sixes and sevens I'm selling, like I would trade them straight up if there's no value sense, just off eye appeal. So I think that has yet to take full, you know, full, it hasn't, it hasn't, Past yet, okay. So I'm planning for the future, and that has a lot to do with what I'm doing. It's not just this. It's not just that. But that that's part of it. Like money's part of this hobby. Yeah, it's. I think, you know, if we all could be a genie and rub the, you know, if we could rub it lamp and get our genie and go, okay, you know, how would we do this over again? Or if we could get in the DeLorean with Doc Brown and go back and do it over again, I, I think it's a fair question that you should ask yourself especially if you've been doing it any length of time, I look back and I think, man, I, I have a ton more on the autograph side than on the, the card side. I have so many, you know, I have 47 Brooks Robinson autographs, you know, what do I need 47 of them for? <laughs> you know um, I do love them and, and I'm not selling them, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, I wish I would have just maybe, even even myself telling myself being a little more patient and like get get something you really love um but i collect all kinds of i have so many projects and anyway i i have a lot of stuff that i go man i wish i would have xyz and that can go both ways it can go the way you're going which is i'm going to go backwards a little bit in i don't mean that in a negative way like oh, i'm going to yeah. go backwards in grade grades some people would say, I wish if I could go back, I would not buy all the lower grades and I'd save up and buy the big card. Neither way is wrong. Uh, it's not a right or wrong. It's. Well, hold on. It yeah. is a. It went, so 10 years, say you just rewind in 10 years, the right move was to buy the higher grades. I mean, we yeah. can't argue, right? Because that's what's worth the most money. And I'm glad that I did it the way I did, right? And, but. In a collector sense, it's, yeah, it, it, I'm going in a time, I'm trying to go in a time warp and trying to go back in time and spend the same money I did then, but have better cards. Continue on, sorry. No, no, I, great point. 
Um, yeah, because they would be cheap and we would, if we could know the future, it'd be like, you know, knowing the game and betting on the game the right way. Uh, once you knew it happened. And if we knew what we know now, we would have all, gosh, there's so many cards I've passed on over the years that I wit, God, I should have bought that back, you know, but at the time I didn't have the money, didn't have the, whatever, uh, this, the, the smarts, I guess, to God, you should buy that. I, I remember seeing a 53 Bowman. Mickey Mantle, 53 Bowman color, PSA 5 at the 2014 National for $150. And I'm like, I, I kept walking by it and oh, I'll buy that later. You know, I'll get it down the road. And I never bought it. And it's funny, you remember the cards you didn't get. I remember the cards I didn't buy way more than the great deals that I've gotten over the years and decades. Uh, it's funny how the, the those stick with you, the ones that you passed on. Yeah. Uh, different autographs that I wish I would have bought that. Oh, man, that's a lot of money. And now it's a lot, lot more money, you know, kind of thing like, oh, you know, um, it's it's funny, though, when I think about what I would want, if I could go back, it would be um, I would have started doing the projects I'm doing now earlier, which is putting together some 60s sets you know, putting together maybe even some 50s, set, late 50s, mid 50s sets. Uh, and those are all things that I want to do in the future that I'll be able to do, but I could have done it just so much easier back in the day. Um, but no regrets. Like I, I don't sit here, go, you know, I don't lose any sleep over it. I don't, you know, begrudge anything in my collection. You're like going, the, my problem is not selling anything and you're yeah. doing the smart thing. And you're like, hey, I'm going to get rid of the stuff I'm, I'm not as crazy about anymore. Feel like, man, I, I can just I can do more with less, you know, or, or do more with these sevens and get more with the lower grades. I think it's I think it's great. And and I think it's cool that you have a plan and you're like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, so. That's yeah. uh, awesome. And, and I don't think it's like. The regret thing's funny because your regrets are maybe what you didn't buy. My regrets are what did I sell? I sold some crazy stuff because I went through <laughs> where I was buying. I had Michael Jordan rookie cards. I had everything you think about in like PSA eights and stuff and sevens. And, and I, I sold, you know, because I was trying to sell cards for a living. That's been my goal my whole life. Minus the fact that my whole life I've had career. I had a career for 20 years. But now it's like, that's always been my dream, right? So it's funny, your regrets are that, my regrets are, man, why did I sell that? It's not what I didn't buy, it's what I didn't, what I shouldn't have sold. And and doing this, maybe maybe one day they'll be like, man, I'm so wrong, these seven off-centered. But I don't care because I'm buying the same card again now. I'm not like gonna regret it because at least I still have the card. So whether my theory is correct and my way to save money and not spend more money out of my bank account and just use the money I have in cards to buy the cards again, then, you know, time will tell. I do notice that you have in front of you a 53 tops uh, SGC Eddie Matthews there that I think you bought from, from us, right? It's a chasing cardboard I card. I did. I bought this bad boy. You know, I do not own this car. I've always wanted to. It's one of my favorite cards of all time. And it, I feel like I got a killer deal on it. I mean, I saw a PSA. I mean, it's not a great, it's not perfectly centered. It's not like hits all my criteria, but I put it a low in bid and I wanted the card and I wasn't like looking to get, dude, there was a PSA four that went for like $400, like within that hour. I got that for $137. I got my sticker with it chasing cardboard did you know it was a chasing cardboard card did you know it when you were bidding on it did you know i i did and i kind of wanted to actually talk ask about that what is this that collection that was like that crazy cool collection with all those vintage stuff this is a collection you haven't even seen yet on oh. the show uh we shot these episodes it's a guy uh here in Texas that we went and saw, we consigned his collection for him. Those will be actually be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, I don't know that everybody on the podcast here. know. I mean, everybody that watches it on bench clear knows about chasing cardboard, but uh, we go around and we've got another one coming up 
relatively soon. We're going to go look at a crazy collection. I can't wait to film it and see it and all of this stuff. Uh, but this is a guy, local guy that had some stuff and that's one of his cards that we sent into SGC to get graded a bunch wow. of them. He had amazing stuff. Makes it even more special. That's awesome. Yeah. I figured it. I just thought it had already happened. I thought it was that other one. Nope. Not the 6 million cards. Didn't have any vintage stuff. Really. It was all newer stuff, you know, eighties to now, you know, eighties to new. And uh, that was in the Archie collection, but uh, I'm glad you were able to pick up a card from uh, chasing cardboard. It's a great story you can tell, I guess. And uh, yeah, going on my wall. Awesome. I'm really excited. How? I have a question for you, Mike. How on earth do you guys get rid of all these cards? Like, <laughs> how? Are you buying them just because you guys have a a TV show and you want to be uh, the next pickers? You know, like that uh show like are you guys gonna get picked up by a cable company am i letting the cat out of the bag i love that show it's the yeah. best show. i had a tv show to watch that's it like i look forward to chasing cardboard so much because i can sit down it's a half hour long i love long videos and i can enjoy it what do you do with all these cards we're, we're working on that uh honestly <laughs> trying to figure out a better system um we unloaded a lot of the the bulk that we had to free up for this like the collection we're going to look at soon is half a million cards more you know wow. and all vintage nothing past 1960 so pre-war wow. and half a million so wow nothing past wow. yeah it's crazy it's got a 52 mantle oh my gosh um, so anyway it dude no, you gotta tell me who's who's getting that 52 mantle i don't i don't know yet um, they're all raw. They're all ungraded. So we have to help the guy decide what to grade. And all, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. The, the show stuff is like the 6 million is all pretty much gone. I mean, we have quite a bit of it left. Ty has, he bought a million and a half. He's bought, you know, buys a lot of big collections and we are trying to figure out systems and putting systems in place to, to get those back out into the hobby because we don't want to sit on them. Um, and it's all, this is all, you know, I go cause it's fun, you know, and I get yeah. some cards from my PC and some stuff like that. Uh, it, it's just, I love just seeing this stuff and discovering it and talking about it. And here's what this is. Oh my gosh. And I have, you know, I'll find cards be like, I don't know what this is. Let me send John, a, John Mangini a text or, or Dave a text or whoever to say, what is this? You know, I love learning and always learning. You can never know everything about cards. And to me, the enjoyment comes from discovering new things and finding out that we found the same guy that you bought your card from had a bunch of 1960 post serial cards. They're giant uh, pictures, essentially, that were cut off the back of a cereal box. Like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen these. And they go for really good money. Um, so and I'm, I'm having to learn I can't buy it all. You know, because I'll just buy some stuff direct, but uh, I've got to really temper that because I could put myself in the poorhouse really quick. There's some amazing stuff. Uh, luckily, I already had a 53 tops Eddie Matthews, or else that would be in my collection. Uh, so you were able to get it, but yeah, it's just fun doing it. Um, it's an extension of what I do, what Ty and I do on YouTube on Bench Clear, and then what I do on Baseball Collector and this podcast, all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a fun show to do. Let me tell you that. Dude, it, I, it's really funny. I'm just like, I want to jump in every second. Right. I, when I watch that show, I don't, I have a really hard time. I, I'm sure everyone feels the same way. Like I want to buy every card I see and I don't see collections. I don't see a lot of cards where I live. Like I have friends, old friends that I talk to. I pretty much cleared the whole collections out. If I came across a collection like you're talking about, 1960s and prior, I'd empty my whole bank account. I'd be like, I, my wife, her name's Lauren. I'd be like, we're buying it. I'm buying it all. I'm done with everything. I'm quitting all my accounts. I'm doing it. My way in. That's it. I figure it out. Ty's bought these craziest collections before you guys did chasing cardboards. And I, and he's like in his room with the gloves on in that shed or like this 
barn yep. thing. I'm like, yep. what is he gonna do with those cards? I would want to be in. The, I want to be. I want to be there so bad and just be like, <laughs> like you opened those packs the other day. My mind was blown. Yeah, and we had hundreds and hundreds of those. By the way, uh, oh. we just grabbed a few. <laughs> like, but all that's been sold. We sold all of that. Um, the collection the 50s you know the vintage collection we're going to look at is easily a seven figure collection so wow. you'd have to really empty your bank account as, yeah have to take another take as a, would take, i and everyone else it, it's just gonna be fun you know? wow. um, i want to talk to you more about cards let's i mean yeah. if you don't watch chasing cardboard go watch it uh have a hard time that you wouldn't enjoy it if you like cards but uh we love telling the stories of the people too that's a huge part of it that's what makes it uh what it is i think it's it's not just i mean ty and i have a really good rapport together but it's also just the stories of the people um your journey into the youtube world is an interesting story uh i love it you reached out to me when you were just listening to the podcast, I believe, right? Yes. And then what, years ago, two and a half. Oh, I don't know when I reached out to you, maybe a year ago, but I had been watching it for at least a year prior to even, I was so scared to send that message to you. I looked at it the other day. It was like, <laughs> like pictures of my wall, like I'm the greatest collector in the world. Look at my collection. <laughs> well, uh, I, I get those literally daily from I other did. people. And it's great. Like I, like I said at the, in the intro, I, I love that interaction. I love people sharing their story. And what made you start down the YouTube rabbit hole? Well, as you guys know, you know, I, I so I started listening to the podcast. I've been a podcast listener for over a decade, and I've done Audible for 15 plus years. I listen to books every day. I had a job on the mainline running CNC machines and I ran this company and I could have headphones in all day long. So books all day long. Then I started listening to podcasts. Then three years ago, whenever that was, I go, why don't I just search for baseball cards? I love them. I, I collect them. Like, I don't know why it never crossed my mind before, but I don't know. It just did it. You know, just, this is my thing. I'm scared to tell anyone I collect baseball cards. I'm like, this is my little, little secret your jam. Secret your secret shame. Totally, my only my closest friends knew. Or people that came to my house and went into my pantry or into my closet would see my display. So I go on there and I listen to your podcast, and I was just like chomping at the bits. Like you had Don Fields of Dream on, you had George Diamond Yard Sports Cards, and you did this. Like my favorite episodes of all time are the ones where you went from the fifties to I think the eighties and the greatest sets in those decades and i i just was screaming like look just like no that's not the best this is the best one or this is <laughs> i'm all about design and in, in cards and i have this like passion for design because my wife's a designer and a and a and an artist so i that's what got the road going and then after i sent you that message and then i go i'm like i'm just gonna I, I got to do a YouTube. My wife's like, you need to just do it. You need to let yourself out. You need to let yourself go. My wife is, is way less. I'm more of a, um, introvert. I'm not, I'm not an introvert. I'm okay. outgoing. I'm super outgoing in the flesh. But as far as like doing these videos, I, I would have been deathly scared. Like I have a sweat rag down here. Just like, just, in, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I get, like if you saw me and and Scott's, at, you know, we did a live. He was opening a box of mine. Um, I was like a nervous wreck. These live things are scare me to death. I'm not into that yet. I'm really scared. So I'm learning to let myself go. But it's because of my wife. She's an introvert, and yet she she does artwork and and she let herself out and she's blossomed and her business has blossomed. So let's go back to the YouTube thing. Like she's like, you need to do it. You need to do it. So, you know, uh, I might as well let the cat out of the bag. I had a couple of drinks before I did my first YouTube video. I'm like, she's like, you need to do it. She had friends over. And so I went in the room and just did this video. And it wasn't the greatest video. And I even had the thing filmed like this 
but I, I didn't care at the time. Like I didn't think about that because Instagram's this way and none of that crossed my mind. So I did it and I sent it to you and I said, Hey, can you check out my video, Mike, please just look at it. <laughs> you know, like all scared, like a little, little, little schoolboy, like asking the teacher for permission and, and you were so cool about it. And then you're like, Oh, maybe you should turn the camera sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's a great idea, Mike. I'll turn it <laughs> and show the card up close. I was like, way back, you know, and it was one card and nothing wrong with that. But once that, once I let that out of the bag and once I felt comfortable and it really just opened up everything. And I'm learning so much on YouTube about all these cards that I had no idea existed. You posted a, I need a sweat rag right now. You posted a hot dog Roy Campanella card. It was a fifty-four wieners. What's that? Is that a cons wiener? Fifty-four. Fifty-four. Uh huh. Yep. The only reason I know it's fifty-four is because I I, I left you a comment or or email, wrote you another message <laughs> and said, "Oh wow, that looks just like the 54 top set. I'd never seen one before in my life. And if I had at a card show, I never, no one pointed it out to me and it never rang true in my mind. And, and I, that has opened the whole world to me watching John Mancini's show and, and everybody's that that's in a going after different things than me. I'm always been tops because that's what I knew. That's what I grew up with. So this really has been a so much fun to learn and to have this knowledge. And I, I, I have always been a history guy. I've read hundreds of books about baseball players, hundreds. Like I, I'm obsessed with them. I've been obsessed with them my whole life and about everything, every sport. Um, and, and the history of cards is where I've always went. So if I heard a guy's name, but I only read the history of like, you know, the Yankees until the eighties. So I would just gravitate towards that in my whole life and just buy those cards. Oh, this guy's been mentioned a hundred times. I buy it. And now with YouTube, I get to see these cards and, and hear about these players and hear a different side of it in, and a lot of these book recommendations. So I've been able to transform my collection and go deeper into the old stuff into pre-war, which I had never thought I could afford first and foremost, cause I never looked at it. You need to read this book. Card war. The bubblegum okay. card war. I am. Oh yeah, I have that. I've read that. Yeah. I, I'm about a hundred percent positive I read that. I, I'm gonna look, but I'm about a hundred percent positive I read that. Well, but that's a good percentage to be a hundred percent positive. Oh, okay, that's ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's been YouTube is really the knowledge base, and I'm not the guy that when I, when I talk about cards in the history, like I, I've struggled. So YouTube's a struggle for me a lot, right? I should, but every part I show, I want to say every dad ever made. I don't know that by heart. I don't know everyone's story by heart. I don't, I've never been good at memorizing things. And I think that's okay. And if you see my channel, I just like the card, man. I like the look of the cards. I don't even care about baseball in itself. That's a whole other topic, but I went 10, 15 years without even watching a baseball game. I just like, I look at stats. I always looked at who was winning and I go back in my boxes because I always bought modern cards. I, I like buying $500 for the cards a year and just having them in a box and go back up there later. And so YouTube has been so fun for me. I just, I can't stop learning and, and just looking at cards. I don't care anything about anything. If, if the show's entertaining and the guy's honest and nice and just, and they interact, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Well, you exude passion in your, in your videos. And I, and I love them because of that. I also obviously you have great cards. And to me, that's as I've evolved in YouTube, I've gotten to wear, uh, you know, a 58 tops, Eddie Matthews, super cool. It's awesome. Seen it, you know, a hundred times, you know, I know what it looks like. I want to hear why you love it. You know, I want to hear why is it important to you? Why did you buy this one? Why did, you know, the story behind it. And then one thing I want to talk to you about before we get too far gone, yeah. your display is insane. Um, your card room for those listening on podcasts is, is both a card room and a craft room or an art room for your wife. So y'all share it. 
and it is so cool half of its cards and half of its art and it's incredibly i'll use the word flamboyant is probably a good word for it uh and it's it's so cool i love how you change things out every once in a while do you think it's difficult for people norman's going nuts back there i don't know what he's but do you think it's difficult for collectors? Let me, let me, before I ask the question, I'll make a statement. I have a hard time with this. And that's why I'm asking the question to you is, you know, I got a lot of stuff and, and finding where to put it, finding where to store it, finding how to display what you want to display. It's a challenge, isn't it? Absolutely. Is that the question, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I guess that's the question. <laughs> My interviewing skill, I, I don't know how to do this. So I, I need to just. Well, I, look, in me, to me, it's all about displays. It's all about having your cards out, having your collections out. Like half, like you say, half of the wall is my wife's artwork. It's so funny trying to find the camera. Yeah, everybody always does that. I'm like, how hard is it? It's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, half my wall is is toys that I had as a kid, my toys and collections. I don't just, I, I only collect baseball cards now, but I've collected my whole life. And then half of it is baseball cards. I think having a display in your house isn't difficult and isn't gonna take up a lot of room. You can put it in your closet. You can put it in your, what your wife lets you put it. It's important and it, to me, that's all it's about. I don't want my cards to not be shown. And I, I have, just like you, I, I have a lot of graded cards. I have roughly 800 graded cards. And, and so all vintage. And so you just change them out and it refreshes them. I think if you're not showing your cards off or you don't have a, a desk, you don't need, you could go buy a display unit for 50 bucks. You don't need to build one like I did. I mean, this spent, I spent summers building this stuff. Like, it, it, this is all custom glass that I cut, hand cut, like UV museum grade glass. And like, it's just, you don't need this. You don't need this. So this room, when I have friends come over, this will be funny because when I have friends come over or anyone come over, I turn my phone on and I put the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, song on. I can't think of it at the very moment, but you know that song and you're in this magical kingdom that's what this room does. The whole thing is blue. And then we have this pink area up top with my wife's inventory and a bunch of my cards. It's, it brings us in here and we both work in here and it, and it takes you to another world and it, it takes you to that special place. And I think displaying your cards is extremely important. If you're a collector and anyone who doesn't have a display and says they can't build one, you could buy one very inexpensive and you don't need to display all your cards. Just have a little area, put it in your clothes closet. You open it up, take a peek. Your displays are nuts. Your little, your, your beast that you and your dad build is so special and so cool in your wall. And then your, your, I forgot what that thing's called, but the thing that filters through the cards, your autographs in it, all of it's fine. Display case. Yep. Yep. And all of that was meant to have me be able to and I switch it out. Um, but like you said, you don't have to spend a fortune on that. But I, I think displaying is allows you to enjoy it, if that may, you know, and other I mean, yeah. people come in my card room and they don't know what they're really looking at. The first question I always get is, what's the most expensive card you have? And I'm like, you don't get it. You know, um, that I get how non collecting people feel that way, but it's it's the, it's the wrong thing, I think. But what's cool about having displays and what you said earlier about your collecting style and all of that, collecting isn't static, right? It's ever changing. You, I, I hope people don't ever feel like they're in a, like I can only do this one thing. Like it's, it's not static. It's very malleable. You can zig and zag. You can change. If you, if you decide you don't like something, you can sell it or keep it and just like, I have a tons of Josh Hamilton stuff that sits in a closet um i don't collect josh hamilton anymore i collect hall of fame guys you know or whatever so i you know we all change over time our, our likes our dislikes change over time and so let your collection change along with you as you're changing that's super important i think yeah i agree i mean look at me i'm selling so much stuff this whole last year 
changing everything and it it doesn't matter like that's the whole point of collecting it it you know there's one thing it's like um you know you my wife is always like hoarders called they're they're coming over and doing an episode well yeah we're, as collectors we're part hoarders it's for me it's i want to organize this stuff i mean if it wasn't for my wife i would i probably wouldn't be organized but she makes me be organized because we don't have much space but we're we just like things and I'm, it's okay to sell stuff and make room for new stuff and that's it's part it's ever evolving like you say well unfortunately with me it's i've got this room that i'm in is actually pretty tiny i mean it's a like 10 by 10 bedroom it's not big and my wife has threatened me with uh everything up to castration if i have my stuff pour out of here so as i continue to add stuff i've got to be creative in how I arrange everything so that it can all fit in here. But some of my favorite videos, this is getting back to, you know, the, the displays and all that. I have seen so many videos on different ways that people display things. And I love them so much. In fact, they're my favorite videos to watch are videos on card rooms, displays. Um, our friend, uh, Don Fields of Dreams just built a display case and, showed you know i love just watching that stuff right and love seeing people be creative and how they display their stuff and it, it, it honestly there are so many times when i go man i need to do something like that it's so cool uh that is a great idea and because i don't have a you know everything figured out and it's so cool to watch that stuff uh learn from other people be inspired by other people for that part of it because displaying it is fun and I think you would agree that showing, you know, showing your car, having your cards where you can see them and watch them. And I've got posters everywhere and jerseys hanging up, bobbleheads and you name it. I, I didn't even like bobbleheads. And I saw somebody doing it. And I was like, God, that's a great idea the way they did it. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy some Hall of Famer bobbleheads. And so I went on this kick and bought, I don't know, 50, 80 different bobbleheads. And so it, you know, it's always changing. Uh, I usually do a card room video every year just to show the progression, I guess, the, the changing of the, of the way I have things displayed and set up. Uh, it's been pretty chill for the last year or two. Uh, like if I did a card room video now, it wouldn't be much different than the last one, honestly. Uh, just more of it. And uh, the beast is just full now. I need another beast. I'm working on that, actually. So uh, You need a other graded cards you could be frankenstein frankenstein collection like me no nah, that's a slippery slope man i'm afraid to go down <laughs> it uh but any uh anything else you want to talk about before i let you go um, no I, I think that's it you know i wouldn't mind uh you know do a little self-promotion real fast yeah absolutely go ahead so if you want to find me on youtube on double d vintage baseball cards um love to hear comments about your favorite cards stuff like that i'm also as this whole thing is progressing and me selling cards i have a a deal set up with leagueleaders.com you could buy a box and they're just like opening a pack of cards they're all mystery boxes with my graded cards in them and adam from splendid sports he has some incredible cards in the box so go check them out. Uh, much appreciated. You don't need to do that. This is just for people who like to open wax. Better to open a wax with something that you know you're going to get something cool in. Um, but there's no pressure involved. Just want to throw it out there because I'm on your show. Why not? <laughs> um, Absolutely. And everybody, all my friends who I've met, um, I want to throw a shout out to Shane, Shoebox Legend, Legends, Adam, um, Adam, two Adams. Uh, Doug, Nate, James, Scott, all uh, Caesar, like a lot of these guys I've connected with and talked to over the phone. And it's meant the world to me as a collector in somewhere I can go and call up or send them a text of this card. And we can just have a little conversation. And us collectors, okay, I'm not going to let you go just yet. One quick story. So yeah. I'm. I moved to Hawaii about six years ago and I dropped everything. My, all my friends, everyone I ever knew, I came over here going, who am I going to be friends with? 
I'm a surfer, so of course I'm going to gravitate to some surf friends. But surfers, we don't like sit around in a huddle and talk about, like, it's not that fun to talk about the wave you got and this and that, unless you're in that moment with them. And there's no, it's so hard to make new friends and new meaningful friends as you get older. I'm 42. So friends that I've made are just, it's just, it's just, it's a lot of work. But this YouTube community and the friends I've made in the car world, it's like talking to you, Mike. First time in my whole life talking to you, you know, was a couple of days ago and we tried to cut it short. So we had something to talk about. Dude, I could have talked to you. I could talk to you for six hours right now. There's no cameras talking. We could, if I was in your room, it'd, I'd never leave your room. You'd have to keep me out of the house. <laughs> and, and that's the friendships that I've formed. And, and anyone who hasn't done YouTube or reached out or got involved, I highly recommend it. It's not about subs. I mean, self-promoting myself on that, it, but it's not about that. It, it wasn't about that. And it isn't about that. It's about the friends that I've made. And it's, it's a, it's a life changer. It's my life is different and better and more pleasurable because I have friends that I can just talk to about this secret hobby I've had my whole life. And it, it's a game changer. And now that I live somewhere where I don't want to make new friends, I don't want to spend the time making new friends. It's it, right, frankly, it, it sucks. It's so much work. Gotta have them over. Call them up. We're gonna spend a whole night getting to know these people. Like, oh my gosh, I've done that enough. It's so hard. So with the car community, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. Common ground right out of the gates, no matter what you believe in, no matter where everything else is. Dude, I I could talk on the phone all day long. So. That's my final words is get involved and put yourself out there and, and, and love what you collect and don't, don't care what other people say. Don't, don't matter. Just focus on what you like and that will be pleasure enough. Don't try and chase, the, you know, don't try and chase ones. It's just go after what you love. And everyone preaches that it's a no brainer, but it's hard. You want to get on YouTube, it's hard. You want to buy everything you see, but I've learned and I, I'm in my own lane now and I'm staying there and I'll, I'll venture out when the time comes. So. Well, you've, you've got to get to a national Dylan. Oh, dude, Adam, uh, Adam Hall, I think his last name is vintage sanctuary. You know, yep. you Adam, I'm friends yep. with him. We talk on the phone, text all the time. He booked my room. I me and him are roommates. We already booked. We're, we're set. So I'm going, you're going to Chicago. Going to Chicago. Oh my gosh. You're going to have literally the time of your life. You will, it'll be better than the best set you can catch, you know, on the beach and in the ocean. It is such a transformative experience because you, you know, you can talk to guys on the phone, you can watch their videos, you feel like you know them. And the truth is, everybody's the same. Uh, actually, Caesar's a lot more chill in real life than he is. Uh, on his videos. Uh, but everybody's just so cool. Uh, you're going to, and, and it'll completely change how you watch videos going forward. It's hard for me to explain that now in, you know, nine months after you get back, you'll go, yep, you were right. And I'll say, yes, I know. Um, Cause it, it happened to me. It happens to so many people. It totally changed. Like I remember the first time I met Eric, those back pages and I saw him in the cross room of my home. Oh my gosh, that's Eric. He's not going to know who I am, but I, you know, he's, and now we're great friends and uh, it's, it's awesome. You're going to have to. It's not hard for me to imagine that. It's not hard for me to believe that. I believe it. That's why I'm like, I was so jealous. Like, I mean, I was jealous. I was like so bummed that I didn't commit and I should have come um, watching Lou Rock's videos and your videos live. I mean, other people's too, but your guys's were real, felt real natural. And I felt like I was in the moment. Lou Rock specifically were like, to me, yeah. I'm like, I want to have some drinks with my friends. And <laughs> I want to talk about cardboard still two in the morning and rip some packs. I mean, I was just going, this is the, that's the greatest night of my life. And <laughs> I've had some great nights, but I, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to all of it. That is going to be awesome. I'm I'm excited to shake your hand and meet you in person and everyone else too. Uh, Adam came last year. He'll tell you how awesome. I think he had a great time and just it's like, yeah, I'm going again. Like I'll never miss another national barring 
some unforeseen circumstances because I want to see my friends and the cards are great. Like it's overwhelmingly awesome cardboard, but it's, it's about the the friends. So I'm looking forward to that with you next year. So, and thanks for being on the show today and go check out uh, Dylan's channel. It, it's great. Hopefully you will, you know, be infected with his enthusiasm and passion for, for this hobby that we all love. And uh, you're awesome, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. You meant the world to me. Appreciate everything you've done for this hobby. It's awesome. You're, you're welcome. So everybody, we'll see you next week. Have a great one and keep collecting.